Christ is risen. Hallelujah. I'm glad that's still fresh in your hearts and your minds, because you know in this day of news cycles being so short, well, Easter was last week, right? But we're still proclaiming the good news, and here's what I want you to take away from today. He is still risen, and he is on the move in our world. We need to know that, because there can be a lot of confusion about the significance and the meaning of Easter. I mean, the disciples were very confused on that first Easter. In the evening, John tells us in his gospel, they were behind locked doors, fearful, afraid. Imagine how their hopes had been dashed and how they were grieving the loss of their rabbi, the one they hoped would be Messiah. And there they are when Jesus appeared to them. Can you imagine? He appeared to them, came and stood among them, and he said to them, peace be with you. They were overjoyed when they realized he's alive. And then Jesus said it again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So there it is, a week later after Easter. You know how that is. As a pastor, I love Easter, I got to tell you that. You get to talk about the whole message of what it's about, why Jesus came and died and rose again. The music is amazing. The choir's in full voice. Not to mention the attendance is double, normal. But this is the week after. And so there are the disciples, and they were told by Jesus, yes, peace be with you. I'm sending you on a mission. So the next Sunday... John gives us a little insight. Where do you find them? Well, they're out in the streets, aren't they? They're just telling everybody about Jesus, aren't they? Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That's not what was going on. John tells us, and there they were huddled behind locked doors. I don't want you to be confused about the meaning and the significance of Easter. It's like the teacher that asked her class, okay, who can tell me what is Easter? One little girl raised her hand. She says, oh, I know, I know, I know. It's when we get together with all of our family and we eat turkey and we give thanks. And teacher says, no, 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 that's Thanksgiving. What is Easter? A boy raises his hand. He says, I know, I know. It's when we go cut a tree and we bring it in the house and we decorate it. We give gifts. And no, the teacher said, that's called Christmas. Who can tell me? What is Easter? And finally, a girl raised her hand. She said, I know. Jesus was crucified on a cross, and he died, and they laid him in a tomb, and three days later, and the teacher said, yes, yes, tell him, what is Easter? She said, three days later, Jesus came out of the tomb. He saw his shadow, went back in the tomb. We got six more weeks of winter. I don't want you confused about the Easter message here, and so here's the first thing I want to share with you. Christianity and our hope and our faith are not founded on Christians. Did you know that? It's not founded on who we are or what we've done or whether we prayed the right prayer or whether we behave a certain way. Christianity is not founded on Christians. And by the way, that's a good thing, isn't it? Because on that first Easter, the disciples had all deserted Jesus. Peter had denied even knowing him. And do you know there were no Christians that first Easter morning? 
No one had faith. No one expected that he would be alive. The women didn't go to the tomb and say, okay, let's count down because he's going to show up. Ten, nine. No, they went to finish preparing a body. As far as they knew, Easter was about them doing something. And it had nothing to do with it. They were surprised when they got to the tomb and the angel was there and gave them the message. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He's risen. No, Christianity is not founded on Christians. Have you ever had that person tell you, I don't go to church? Why, I know some people that go to church. They're no different than anybody else, so I don't want anything to do with it. The truth is we all fall short, don't we, of reflecting the life of Jesus. We all fall short. By the way, that's why we need a Savior. <laughs> Christianity is not founded on Christians. It's founded on Jesus. It's founded on who he is and what he's done. Don't miss that. Who he is and what he's done and what he continues to do. Who is he? He's God from eternity. Now, if you don't know that, you've missed the whole point. He's God from eternity, who became a human being, birth of a young woman. So now he's God and man. He fulfilled all righteousness. He never sinned. He did what none of us human beings could ever do, because we're born in sin. We're already faulty. We already fall short of what God wants us to be the moment we're born. That's why we have baptism, right? That God is at work in our life. And so Jesus lived the perfect life. Do you know he never should have died? Because the wages of sin is death. Death is a result of sin. It's a consequence. And you and I, if we have to face eternity without Christ, we will have to die, be separated from God forever. You see, only an eternal God could pay the debt of eternal death on a cross in a few hours. He had to be eternal. But then, even though he died, he rose up again and he lives. And this is the very power of it all, that he lives as our Lord and our Savior, and he's still on the move today. I like the way Paul puts it. He said, the resurrection is so important that if you take that out of the picture, you and I are to be pitied as Christians. We have nothing going for us. Let me read the scripture. It's 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Paul writes, and if Christ has not been raised, your faith is futile, it's empty, and you are still living in your sins. Then those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But indeed, he has risen. He is alive. And so John tells the story. He was there. That first Easter evening, as those disciples were locked up in that room for fear that what's going to happen to us? Are we going to die also? And Jesus came and stood among them, and he spoke. I love this. His very first words were what those disciples needed most of all. He said, peace be with you. I want you to explain something here. You know, in our Western culture, peace is defined this way. It's the absence of conflict or war. That's peace. But in the Hebrew mind, in their understanding, then the Hebrew word is shalom. It's not talking about just the absence of conflict. Peace basically means this. 
all is well with you and me as a people. It means wholeness, completeness, perfection. It's the flourishing of life as God intended it. It means we are reconciled and restored in relationship with God and with one another. Shalom. Peace. Now I know if you go to Israel today, and I've been there, uh, they'll say shalom just as a hello, and shalom is a goodbye. I know that. When Jesus showed up in the context of that upper room, or rather in that room with the disciples that were gathered there, he wasn't just saying, well, good day. He was saying, peace. All is well. Even though you have failed, even though you're probably struggling with the fact that you deserted me, even though you have fallen short of what God intended you to be, all is well. We have a reconciled and restored relationship. That's what the resurrection is about. That's what Easter is all about. And then he showed them why that can be possible. He showed them his hands and his side. What he was pointing to was a sacrifice he made for you and me. You know what you call that sacrifice of someone who died for somebody who doesn't deserve it? You call that grace. And the only way we can have peace is that there's first God's grace. His sacrifice, his undeserved love. You will never have peace before grace. The only way to have peace is that you first know his grace, that he forgives you and loves you no matter what. Now you can have peace. John loves this concept of peace. He's the one that really shared the words of Jesus the night before. Uh, Jesus was arrested and then condemned to die. It was when he was together with his disciples. And here's what John uh, wrote about the words of Jesus. It's John 14. Jesus said, My peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. Don't you love that? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Later, Jesus said, In this world, you will have trouble but take courage i've overcome the world my peace i give to you whatever you walked in with today perhaps there's still a cloud over your life from things you've said or done that you know should not have happened perhaps you're struggling with fear about the future and what are things going to look like either for your marriage or for your finances. Perhaps you come in here realizing that I have deserted my Savior far too often. Here's the amazing thing. Jesus, because of his grace, has this word for you. Peace be with you. Peace, no matter what? I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen to you? What do you think? Maybe you'd be embarrassed or mocked or ridiculed? Would it be that you run out of money? Would that be the worst thing in your life? Would it be that you lose a loved one to death? Would death be the ultimate that would shake you up? I want to tell you, we have peace even in the face of death. That's what the resurrection is about. There's a pastor at 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. His name is Donald Barnhouse. He lost his wife to an illness, and not only do you have now a grieving husband, but you have a little girl who has no mother. 
And it wasn't long after that funeral of this wife and mother that the pastor is driving the car, his little girl is in the car, and, and the little girl says to him, Daddy, what good did it do? Jesus, Jesus didn't help us. Mom's gone. And he was praying, how can I get across to my daughter the hope and the comfort and the peace we have because of Jesus? And, and he pulled up to a light and he stopped, and that's when a big truck pulled right up next to them. I mean, it was so big that that truck cast a shadow over their entire car. And so uh, Donald said to his daughter, honey, you see that truck over there? What would you rather have happen? Would you rather get hit by that truck or by the shadow of that truck? Well, Daddy, if the truck hit us, we'd hurt us. We wouldn't even be here. I'd rather get hit by the shadow because the shadow can't hurt you. He said, that's what I want you to understand about Jesus. He took the hit of death for you and me on the cross. He did that so that all that Mom experienced was the shadow. She is okay. She is with him now, and someday we will be with the Lord also. Peace, no matter what. And then Jesus said this to them, Peace I give you. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. Get that? I'm sending you. <laughs> when you look at the words of Jesus after his resurrection, I mean, how many times he says that? I'm sending you on a mission. Now get this, the mission is not what you decide. The mission is is the mission of Jesus. He said, I'm sending you on a mission. It's my mission and that Jesus is saying, I'm still on the move in this world because it's through you who have received my grace and peace. I want you to take it to others. Do you know anybody in your life that could use some peace? Do you, need, do you know anybody in your life, maybe at work or a family member or neighbor, that needs to know that they're not alone in their darkness, that there's a God who loves them and saves them. You see, we who've received grace and peace, we get to bring it to those around us. And so I look at the scriptures of what Jesus said after he rose from the dead. Matthew has these words. Jesus said, go make disciples, okay? That's kind of like I'm sending you, don't you think? Go make disciples. By the way, and Jesus gives a promise, and I'll be with you. Mark has Jesus saying, go into all the world, preach the gospel. Luke has Jesus saying this in Acts chapter 1. He says, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Those are the people you know. They're like you. It's the same culture, all right? Go to Jerusalem and Judea. They're a little bit different than you, but, uh, you know, you're supposed to go to them and to Samaria. Now we're getting dicey because Samaritans are a mixed breed. They're racially different. They believe differently. Yeah, go to them and go to the ends of the earth. Why do you think Jesus left us here on this earth after we came to know him? Other than we're to bring the gospel to more people. That Jesus is on the move through you and me. I think some people have the idea that the whole goal of their Christian faith is to get to heaven. A lot of people act like, well, let's just huddle together and hang on until we actually get to go to heaven. Well, if the whole goal were just to get to heaven, if that were the whole goal, I mean, it doesn't make much sense. We're not baptizing the right way. 
But the whole goal is just to get to heaven. I mean, why let people go through suffering and trials and temptations and, and the dangers that could peril their faith? No, if, if the whole goal is just to get to heaven, then what we ought to do as Lutherans is start immersing people, and we dunk them three times, and you pull them up twice. <laughs> just send them to heaven. If the whole goal were merely to get to heaven, but no, Jesus says, I'm inviting you. I'm commissioning you. I am working through you. I'm on the move in this world through you to bring my grace and my peace to people who need it. I look at the scriptures, and here's what I realize. St. John wasn't the first one to come up with the idea that the church has left the building. Did you know that? That was the idea of Jesus all along. And I'm sending you. So I really am excited about May 4 coming up. And by the way, we have a site where you can go there on May 3rd on Friday. So if that works better for you. Because what we're really doing is saying to you, Jesus is inviting you. Come on, let's partner together to bring grace and peace to people who need to know that Jesus has not abandoned them. He is not angry at them, but that he loves them. Here's the good news. We're working with six other congregations, Lutheran churches in our circuit. They're participating with us. Isn't that awesome? I can also tell you that some of the sites are already full. We're thrilled about that. But I can also tell you that there are some sites that we desperately need more people who would be willing to go and serve in order to bring the grace and peace of Jesus to others. By the way, they happen to be in places a little further away. I don't know what it is, but we kind of get scared when we talk about going to Detroit or to Pontiac. But listen, we have some sites in Detroit. Family of God is a Lutheran mission there that's truly reaching out to people on the streets. And what's needed is a safe place for young people to come where they can know that they're okay in that place. And they can be mentored by the, uh, loving and mature Christian adults who will be there for them and tell them about Jesus. And so we're preparing this room. It's an awesome thing to do. At Charity Lutheran in Detroit, there's some homes. There's a home that we're remodeling so that a family that could not have a home otherwise will be able to move into a home. And they're going to clean the grounds around there. And here's what I love about charity. Then they're going to have a neighborhood barbecue. They're inviting the neighbors to come and eat hot dogs. Wouldn't that be awesome? Just to let the people know that we do love you, we care about you, but even more Jesus does. And then there's Pontiac where... Uh, we're going to a park, and the neighbors have been invited to come alongside of us and to clean up this park. And, and then afterwards, we got a barbecue there as well. So just think of the bridge building that will be done, that Jesus will show up even as we go in his name. And then in Pontiac, there's a widow. I, I love this one because I know this gal. She's a member of St. Paul Community Lutheran Church, where I also serve as intentional interim. And uh, her name is Jerry. And when the church closed in Pontiac, our only Missouri Synod Lutheran Church closed in Pontiac in 1999. She opened up a resell it shop right there at the church, and she kept that church going until they relaunched it as a mission in 2005. Her name is Jerry. She's now 89 years old, and her house needs painting. And we're going to go bless this widow. We're going to let her know all is well. Grace and peace of Jesus is with you. Man, marvelous. So I give to you the invitation. I give it to you. So you can be part of what Jesus wanted us to be part of.
Now, if you're a little worried about going to, like, Detroit or Pontiac, let me tell you something. Saturday morning is not a high crime time of the day, just so you know. The second thing I want to tell you is, if that's not as comforting as you'd like it to be, the second thing I can tell you is we notify the police so they keep an eye on us. The third thing I'll tell you is that we're all together, so there's safety together as we're working together. I've been in Pontiac now for almost, well, a year and a half, and I've never had a problem. But here's the biggest thing. Jesus promised, I'll be with you. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. You're not doing this by yourself. He lives, and he's still on the move through you and me. So I hope today you'll either go online and sign up, or you'll go back to Luther Hall where we have a display, and you'll fill out the forms. But I pray you'll take Jesus up on his invitation, partner with him in mission. Let's bring the grace and peace of Jesus to our world. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much as we have gathered here today that we get to hear the news once again that you have risen from the dead and that you are with us even now. My prayer is that anyone today who needs to hear the words again, that there is peace, that all is well, that they'll hear those words from you. And that knowing your grace and peace is with us, oh God, then I pray that by the power of your spirit, we will not be able to contain ourselves, that we'll unlock any doors of fear that we may have, and we'll be willing to bring your grace and your peace to those around us. Because, oh Lord, you want all to come to the knowledge of your saving grace. You want everybody to have that gift of eternal life that's made possible only through the Easter message. So we thank you. And we praise you and ask, be on the move yet today in our lives. In Jesus' name.